with me if you have your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And I tell you, uh, this, this has been a real struggle uh, to put this message together because it is so many things just go off, off. And I want to go out in that direction and that and include that and include that. And so it would really be kind of uh, preaching the eternal gospel. And I know you're not ready for that. So we won't go there. So uh, it's it's what to prune, or what 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 can remain. But uh, I, I think there's a particular word. I really feel strongly this is a word for this church, and I appreciate all of those that may be visiting from other churches. Certainly, you can listen in. But this is very much a church for bridge builders. I think it has a, a prophetic content to it. It's one word, and I don't know that I've ever preached on this. Uh, sad to say. Uh, in this sense, the title is one word. There's a little caption that might be able to explain that a little more, but you'll get onto this. Uh, but it's out of Ephesians chapter 3, and of course the whole chapter, the whole book of Ephesians is Paul. Remember, Paul is in prison, so it's not a nice place. And, uh, and I believe that in that setting, Though he may have had senses of this outside of the prison experience, I believe somehow the prison experience crystallized and, and, and clarified what he's writing here to the Ephesian church. And it is about the church. So whenever we want to get a new and fresh, renewed understanding of the church, we do come to Ephesians. And uh, we sang out of Ephesians chapter 1. I want to just read a couple of verses. You don't even need to turn there because we're going to go to chapter 3, and there's some reiteration of that in chapter 3. But he sa- he's actually a prayer, he says. Uh, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, and that's what we sang, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. And he goes on to complete the chapter by saying, it's Christ as the head and the body underneath the head, connected to the head. And so the glory is, yes, it is Christ, but it is Christ and the church. You follow me? So uh, he goes on in chapter 2, and unfortunately we don't have the time to, to get into that, but that is very rich. But then uh, he begins chapter 3. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, there it is, the clue that he's in prison as he's writing this. I, re- I Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then if you have a Bible that, that is uh, literal, there was an, a dash, and he has this big parentheses. Uh, because it, it, it triggers his memory, and he begins to start, to, I believe, under the anointing and the revelation to, to begin to declare. And he's writing to the Gentiles, and he's saying, you have been grafted in. You were outside once. You were, you were nobodies. But God in his love and his wisdom has incorporated you in, and you're part of the family. Amen. That's good news. See? And we know the implication is beyond Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Whoever is outside and feels like they're a nobody. We're a somebody to God, and in the body of Christ we begin to start to realize that. Isn't that true? So uh, 
He says in verse 8, to me, the very least of all saints, you get that sense, even Paul, with all of his knowledge, all of his background, and all of what he had going for him, he looked at that as nothing. And he says, to me, the very least of all saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery. I want you just to keep that word that's not the word of the title, but there's a mystery here that is phenomenal. Uh, and, 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 you know, mysteries, how many of you like mysteries? Uh, something about it intriguing to, 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 to get into mystery. So he's saying this is a mystery which for all the ages has been hidden in God who created all things. In order that the manifold, the many colored, it's kind of like the prism with the light coming through, with all of these different lights and colors coming through it, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known where? Through the church, say that with me, through the church to where? To the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. That's good news. That's a good place to say amen. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confidence or confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart. Say that with me. Not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are your what? Your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, and here's a prayer coming on. I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant to you, and this is a word to the church here, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, And that you may, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory In the church. Say that with me. To him be the glory in the church. And the one word that I believe God has spoken to me to speak to you is the word glory. Say that with me. Glory. Now, back in the day, uh, in the early days of my married life, I played in a band. I played banjo in a, a, a in a gospel bluegrass band. And we were in this rescue mission up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. The, the, the director of this rescue mission, he was a big guy. His name was Koonsman. I forget what his first name was. But he had this stuffed chair. I mean, big stuffed, overstuffed old chair that he had there. I mean, this is a rescue mission now, you know. And, and so we're doing this program. And, uh, you know, I, I was playing the banjo. I think it was Power in the Blood or something like that, you know, really ripping into it. And, and he, you know, and he's this big, booming voice. And, you know, at an appropriate time at a, at, a, at a break, he said, well, glory. You know, it was like I, I, somehow that came back to me when I was. <laughs> say that with me. Well, glory. 
read. <laughs> well, I think that's what Paul was into here, <laughs> you see. Now, this is good news for us because I think particularly uh, against the backdrop of, of the world in which we live today, even the nation where we are. I mean, you talk about a wacky world. Do I hear any amens here? I mean, this, this, this is just really, it is bizarre. I mean, it's crazy, right? So here we are, Bridge Builders Community Church, celebrating a 10th anniversary. And we're having a hallelujah time, a glory time. But out there, I mean, it is a messed up world. And it would be easy to lose heart. See, I mean, you even think of the work of the church at this point in time. And there was so much coming against us. Now, in a sense, it doesn't compare with what some other nations, you know, you think of China and India and just talking to somebody uh, just a day or two ago relating to India. And, you know, there's China. I mean, we don't really know what opposition is, but we may get to know. Uh, but but it, it, even so, it, it just it, it's dark days. And so, you know, we, we could title this glory in the gloom because there is glory in the gloom. That's good news, isn't there? But. Um, I believe this is God's word to us. Uh, don't lose heart. And, and take a new look at glory. That's what I want to do today. Take a new look at glory. Because we think we know what glory is, kind of what glory is. But I believe the Lord is saying, take a new look at it. Now, in this passage, we know a couple of things that I want to just have you jot down. Uh, he's saying glory in the church. Okay, what does that represent? Okay, I think there are three things for us to see. First of all, the object of the glory is who? God or Jesus or, or God. Okay, the object, we know it's, the, the glory in the church is, it, it's, it's about him. It's not about us. We're not the glory ultimately. Now we connect to the glory and there's a glory that's there. But it, it, it's glory unto him. Unto him be glory in the church, Right? Okay, so we got that straight. The object. Uh, the medium is the church. God flowing through the church. Glorious. Okay. And the effect. Now listen to me closely. Because this is key in where we're going. The effect of this glory is governmental. It's governmental. And I had written this in my Bible years ago from this passage when he says to him be the glory in the church. It's a governmental glory. It's a my kingdom come glory. It's not just some ethereal, you know, fancy daisies, flowers, uh, whatever. Unto him be glory. And we know that because of what we see a little earlier. Let's go back to it again. He says, verse 10, in order that the manifold wisdom, we could say their glory, couldn't we? I mean, because wisdom is part of the glory. So let's just plug that in there for the sake of today. Okay, so let's look at it again. In order that the manifold glory of God might now, say that word now, be made known through the church to where? To the rulers of the nations. Now, see, we look at the nations and even our nation. Rulership is a mess. That's why the world's a mess, right? Because human rulership is a mess. So what's God's answer to that? The church. Isn't that what he's saying here? The church. 
That's why we're not to lose heart. And Paul says, I'm in prison. Don't lose heart. Because there's a connection between me being in prison and what I'm writing here in the church. And that's a clue to where we're going. Okay, so so I believe that God wants us to get a little glory lesson this morning. So we have to go back to all the way back to Psalm 19. One of the psalmists wrote this, and you Bible students, you know what that is. The heavens are telling what? The glory of God. Now, again, I wrote in my Bible. I write in my Bible, or I, you know, that's why I got a wide margin. And I wrote, the heavens are not the glory. They declare or call attention to it. See, a lot of a lot of creation worshippers out there, and now creation is glorious. I mean, it's beautiful. But it says the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day, forth forth speech. Days have a voice. They speak. Every day has a lesson. A revelation every day, every moment of every day. And he goes on to describe that. And I thought of the great old hymn, uh, How Great Thou Art. You know, walk through the woods and the wonders and all of that, and we say, how great thou art, right? Uh, i never forget the time when I took Verna to the Grand Canyon. Now, I had seen it before, but... Back in 2000, we had taken a, a sabbatical. Uh, we were, no, it was 1990. Yeah, it's back further than I thought. I know, you know, that was the dark ages, but I know you didn't think we were that old, but anyhow, uh, I had seen it before, but, but that was part of our, our, our trip west. And this gal came unglued. When she, you know, we were at the, the, the rim, she said, we got to get down in it. Well, we weren't, we weren't equipped to do that. We had one bottle, one can of Sprite between us. Now, anybody that knows anything about hiking, you don't just, you know, just start on a trek. Uh, you know, it's 10 miles down and 10 miles back uh, with one can of Sprite just on the spur of the moment. So uh, I had enough sense to know that. And so we didn't, but, you know, we did hike down a mile. And she said, we are coming back and hiking this thing. Okay, so nine years later we did, and it was a wonderful experience. It was one of the great mountaintop, well, <laughs> valley experiences. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it was glorious. See, and so he's he, he's getting a hold of that kind of thing here. It says it's a psalm of David, uh, but look at the term then that happens in verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting or restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. He's talking about the word. So it's, it's the world and then the word. The world is glorious that God has created, but he's saying the word is even more glorious. Creation is the seen world. The word represents the unseen. 
The seen world is the world of effect. The unseen realm is the realm of cause. That's greater. See? The realm of cause, what makes things happen, that's even more glorious than the actual result of it. See, It's the heart of it. And so that's what he's getting at. Now, now he doesn't, you know, this is still the Old Testament, so there's not a full understanding of what the word represents. Now, we have the advantage of knowing because we've got the New Testament, don't we? So I want us to quickly turn to John chapter 1. And again, for those of you that know your Bible, you know that John picks up this theme of the word and he gives us more understanding about what David had some sense of when he wrote Psalm 19. In the beginning was the what? The Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him. You get a sense of the glory here that's being pictured for us. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not overwhelm it. Verse 9, there's a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Brothers and sisters, if it wouldn't be for the light, the word, there would be nothing. We would be nothing. We would be maybe at the most a grease spot. He was in the world. The world was made through him and the world didn't know him. See, there's this unseen thing, but it's the greater thing. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. He goes on. And then verse 14. I love this verse. The word became flesh. Not not words on paper. See? The word became flesh. I tell you, there's no greater glory, no greater truth that has ever been known to man than that. The word, the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld what? The glory of the Father full of grace and truth. See? And so uh, we, we've established the fact that that though we get caught up with our senses relating to what we see, that it's that greater thing that we don't see that is the greater glory, and the enemy wants to blind us to that. That's what sin does. And remember in John chapter 3 when that man, that religious man came to Jesus by night because his reputation would be at stake if he came by day to Jesus. He said, I know there's something about you that relates to God because nobody could do what you're doing except God. And remember that exchange that happened. And Jesus said, if you not, unless you're born again, you can't see into the unseen realm. See, that's why the world, they can't see it. They're missing it. All they see is creation at best. That's what they can worship. But we know something more. Our eyes have been opened. We can see what others can't see. It's the kingdom of God. It's the glory, the greater glory. This isn't making sense to you. And we don't so often see it, even though we can see it, because it's not automatic. We've got the potential, but we've got to get our, we have to have our, our computer on. We have to have it turned on. 
So, uh, there's three things that I, I think, you know, if we were painting a picture of, of glory, there's three colors that I want to give to us that are important. This is really ultra important for us as a church to realize. Because, I, you know, I have cried out to God for years. I've said, God, where is the power in the church? God, bring back that power that we can be the church that you have called us to be under the headship of Christ. And I believe we are at the cusp of a reformation. And I believe this relates to that. And so it's this sense, number one, of John 1.14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became personal. It's about being personal. See, that's what this church is about. It's personal. It's not just forms. It's not rules. It's not rituals. It's not, you know, religiosity. It's, I know you, brother. Amen, brother. See, and that's why we had, we had such a longing to come. I, I thought of Paul as he wrote to the Romans. He said, Oh, we desire to come to you. I, we, there is something within us. And, and in fact, this almost got preempted by a death that we knew we had to attend that funeral. And I said, Oh, God, God, may it not be over the weekend. I want, we've got to be here. We have to be here. Because it's personal. See, we've been a part of this couple from the beginnings of this church, right? Yeah. See, we're not just visiting speakers. See, you are a part of us. We're a part of you whether you like it or not. You stuck with us. See? (laughs) It's it's a personal thing. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah, a personal thing. See, that's what, that's what everybody out there is missing. See, when they're trying to do something about God, with God. If it's not personal, it ain't church. Yeah. He's saying, know me. Know me. I want you to know me. I want to know you. John 17. That they may know him. See, it's personal. That's why I said I write in my Bible. See, I mean, there was a day when I didn't. See, it was as dry as toast. But I said, God, I know there is something in here. I know there's gold in this hill. I don't have the time. I don't have the desire. But I believe you can make me a Psalm 1 man. So I pray that. Ask you to make me a Psalm 1 man. What was I saying? That his word would become life to me. Now, see, it's, I have my own commentary. See, but it's, it, it's years, decades of God speaking to me. And it was so precious, I wanted to write it down so I wouldn't forget it. Because I have a good memory, but it's short. And so, so... Word glory. We're talking about word glory today. Glory that has the power, governmental power, to push back the forces of evil that are coming to try to overcome us. So it's, if, it's, if, if the church is going to be that vehicle that God has called us to be, it's got to be personal. So brothers and sisters of you that, are, that have come in from the outside, well, I say from the outside, you're a part of this congregation. I rejoice in what I hear happening with God bringing, bringing together out of the bridge builder anointing something that is, that is almost unheard of. 
That's why I'm so excited about the next 10 years. See, But it's, if it ever stops being personal, we're in trouble. Okay, are you with me? Again, I wish I had the time to push this out more, but we're just you know, hitting highlights today. Okay, number two. Let's go on to John chapter 6. And there are many other confirming verses and passages, but going along the journey. So remember how, how Jesus encounters these fishermen. And so uh, and if we had the time, we could look in John 1 how, you know, he came along and, and hey, we met the Messiah. And so, well, yeah, uh, hey, we'd like to more, know more. Come on, come on, you know, uh, live with me. <laughs> Personal, right? Personal. But then it went on from that, and there came a time when Jesus said, follow me, follow me, see? And so the, the second P word is, the first one is personal. Second one is partnership. See, it's great to be personal, but there's something about partnership, isn't there, Dana? Uh, and so in John chapter 6, we have in the first part of the chapter, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, God, uh, Jesus is working these signs that are attractive to people, and, and people are looking for Jesus the next day, and they can't find him. Verse 24, when the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into a small boat and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. See, there's something about this Jesus that they want to connect with that's attractive to glory is what it is. See, And uh, Jesus says, you seek me because you saw the signs. Because you, you ate the loaves. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. See, he's wanting to lead them on. Now, the signs got their attention. It, it drew them into a sense of interest. But that's not where it stops. That's where many Christians stop. And when the loaves and fish and those kind of things stop, they're off and running, see? And so... Uh, he goes into this discourse, and, and, and most of you know this, about bread. Uh, but then he goes on to say, because he's leading them on now into this partnership potential. He says, verse 51, look at verse 51 of chapter 6. I am the living bread and came, that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews therefore began to argue with one another. Boy, this flew in their face. And uh, they said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus therefore said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 60, again, for the sake of time. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen? See, when, when God challenges our reasoning, when he just defies it, he does stuff that just, it doesn't make any sense. It's testing, do we really believe? Do we really, you know, are, are we willing to continue to walk with him? Is there something more that we're willing to go after that goes beyond me? See, and then he goes on to say, uh, it's the spirit who gives life. See, the unseen thing, that's, that's, that's really where it's at. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Because there are some of you that don't believe. 
For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. See, Judas was attracted. Judas Judas had a personal relationship with Jesus. But when it came to partnership, that's where something turned. Verse 66, and a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. I tell you, there's something happening in the body of Christ right now, and it's a choosing. See, there's a choice. Many, 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 many people that name the name of Christ, they've got a personal relationship, but he's after more than personal relationship, amen? As good as that is, see, it's partnership he's after. Prayer of John 17, that we may be one, that as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, as a church, that we may be one. See, this has got to be, it's personal, it's partnership. Amen? Amen? He's saying, not only know me, but follow me. See? Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He, he wants to make us part of the family business. See? Right? I mean, these guys were fishermen, but he said, I want you to be a part of my family business. I'm inviting you to be a part of my family business. Now, I was part of a family business. It's a great thing. It really is a great thing. See? And so he has this invitation out to us. Okay. So we're okay so far. I think most of us here. Yeah. Are we into personal? Are we into partnership? Okay, hang with me. John chapter 12. Verse 20. I'm going to read this out of the New Living. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to meet Jesus. Say, we've heard about this Jesus guy. And we want to see him. See, they were on a tourist expedition. Um, they wanted to see the sights. See, they, this, this superstar. Now, people like superstars. See? And so they had gotten wind of this guy. And they wanted, they wanted in on it. See, Philip told Andrew. And they went together to ask Jesus. Okay, Jesus. We, hey, we've got some more uh, volunteers here. Some more candidates for the family business. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his what? Glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple or to be a part of the family business must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. Okay, the third dimension of the glory of the word. First, it's personal. Second, it's partnership. 
Third, it's pain. Pain. Glory. Pain. Glory. In our natural mind, they don't compute. They don't relate, right? When it gets painful, what do I want to do? Do I want to embrace it? No, I want to run. I want to do end runs. See, so, so, so when it gets painful, what happens in church life? See? Why do we have all the schisms? Why don't we have all the fragmentation? What is the witness to the world? See? To have a church that's going to be a governmental push back the forces of evil... To be a, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We've got to do it like Jesus. Amen? See, Philippians 2. Had the same mind in you, which was in Christ Jesus. He had all of this, but he laid it all down, and he became obedient to pain, to death on the cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and given him a name, the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. Do you think that relates? See, if the church is going to be the church... And so many people are disillusioned with the church. Why? Because it's not personal, there's not partnership, and there's an avoidance of pain. And that's why I believe this is a word for this church in this hour. You've had ten years of building a foundation. God's about to add to your numbers. But this is a word for you. A guideline, if you will. Personal partnership. Do you think that's why Paul in Philippians 3 included the fellowship of his sufferings? I used to say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I like the other stuff, but the pain. But you know, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you that it's the pain that brings this. It's the pain that brings that. A year and a half ago, I had a back problem. I won't go into all the details of that, but in in a matter of a couple of hours on a Wednesday afternoon, I went from totally normal to I was really getting serious pain in my back. I didn't know what was going on. Went to bed. The next morning, I could hardly get out of bed. And we called, uh, got a chiropractor appointment. I, with crutches that we had in the basement, hadn't used for years, could barely get in the car, had to lay on the back seat, and, and, and I, I felt like a 90-year-old man uh, trying to get into the office to get my back worked on. And I said, God. I had never experienced pain like that in, in my life. And it was, you know, sciatica, so it was going down my leg. And so I won't go into all of the details. Obviously, you know, God did something to me. But it was over a period of time, thank God. But, but, but I want to quickly go on because uh, there's a, 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 a... Actually, he's not a blood relative. Verna and his wife are cousins. But we have a bit of a relationship, he and I do, Glenn. And I got word that he was having back problems. And so I began to start to text. I was really not that close to him, but I began to start to get personal with him because I was able to identify with what he was going through. And I really cared. I really cared because I knew how it hurt. And so we began to develop this relationship over email. 
and 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 uh, on the front end of this trip here, we had a, a the funeral on Thursday. Uh, we were planning to get here Friday, which we were able to do, but we had to go by way of Lancaster because of the funeral. This guy lives in the Lancaster area, I, and I texted him. I said, "Glenn, are you going to be at the the funeral?" Because it was his relative also. And he said, no, I figured he wouldn't be because he's still, he's waiting for an operation tomorrow. And we can pray for Glenn that he's going to get release. But he's had two months of, I mean, excruciating pain. No rhyme or reason, didn't know where it was going to come. I mean, it, it was awful. But, but I felt for him. And so I, when we knew that we were going to go to Lancaster, I said, I want to stop in to see Glenn. But I, I, I was hesitant to invite myself. But I said, are we going to see you at the funeral i texted him he texts back no but he said you're welcome to stop in i said we're coming so we walked in there and there he is he was having a fairly decent day that day but there was something in me that was just feeling for him and we talked the two of us gals were talking he and i were talking heart to heart and he knew that i knew he knew that i had a similar kind of experience and there was something in that connection and as we laid hands on him and prayed for him there was something in the spirit realm that was working that was just glory i believe even more glorious than the grand canyon because the Grand Canyon, I mean, a bomb could hit that thing and it'd be totally obliterated. This kind of glory, nothing can touch. Amen. See, that's what God's after. Amen. See, God, thank you that you are building your church. Amen. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God, I believe that you have raised up bridge builders for such a time as this. Yes, in the gloom of these days. And God, you want it to be a glorious church. God, push back the kingdoms of darkness, church. But it can't happen unless there's a maintaining of the personal, a entering anew and afresh into the partnership that you make available to us to become like Christ, part of the family business, of blessing, of loving, of laying down our lives for others. And yes, Lord, the pain, the pain, the pain. Say that with me, church, the pain. How many of you are willing to embrace all three of those anew today? Let me see your hands. Let God see your hands. I don't need to see them, but God does. We don't do this lightly, God, but there's something resonating in our spirits and say, we're tired of playing church. We're tired of just simply going through motions. We're tired of just taking two out of three or one out of three. We want the whole deal. We know, God, that we don't even know what we're asking But we know you're faithful, Jesus, head. Open the eyes of our hearts. Open the ears of our hearts. God, work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. God, you're an awesome God. There is glory in the gloom. It's the word made flesh working in and through us. That a hurting, needy world, blinded and deaf, can receive and be changed. Be glorified. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On this part of the earth, through the body of Christ, even as you've ordained it in heaven. And all of God's people said, Amen.